Hello and welcome to Grace Life Tigerville, a church situated in the northern suburbs of Cape Town. We pray that this teaching will awaken your heart to the reality of Christianity, which is Christ in you, and that it will result in increased fruitfulness in your life. Awesome. So I did say last week that we are going to finish off um, the, the series, but then I changed my mind. So um, we are going to finish off today on our series, No Longer Slaves. And just a quick recap from last week. If you weren't part of uh, the message, we looked at freedom to set free. And today is really going to be a bold, uh, a bold up and a, a, an addition to and a further cementing of last week's message. Um, but entitled Walking in Freedom. But last week we looked at First Peter, one of the passages of Scripture, First Peter 2, 15 to 16 from the easy to read version. Um, it's not going to bother me, but I know that it uh, might bother some of you and then uh, uh, you'll miss out on something that God has got for you. Um, so God was just fixing the, the door, giving me a applause every few seconds. First um, Peter 2, 15-16 last week from the easy to read version said, When you do good, you stop ignorant people from saying foolish things about you. This is what God wants. Live like free people, but don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Live as those who are serving God. And we looked at this whole um, idea that free people and people that are truly set free are people that don't serve themselves, but people that serve God and by doing so serve other people. And that's really the, the essence of walking in freedom. And like I said to this morning, we're going to continue building on this idea of what free people actually, what their lives look like and what God's desire for us is in experiencing freedom. Now, through this message, I'm going to use two examples, two um, illustrations that I want to kind of build, build upon and use as analogies. And the first one is someone that has been imprisoned and then being set free and not being imprisoned anymore. And freedom is intended to bring about joy in anyone that's going from a life of you imprisoned, you're in a jail cell, and then you get set free, and now you're out in the free world. The intended, uh, 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 the intention of that and the experience should be joy, right? Being in the prison cell, and then no longer being in the prison cell. It's all of us. I think it, it doesn't require a lot of common sense to say that in the prison cell, most likely there's a there's a there's experience and feelings of anxiety, of depression, of of uh, all negative things, and then in the outside world, it should be the complete opposite. But I think all of us know that it's not always the truth. It's not always the case. You see people coming from, uh, so to speak, prison, and then they set free completely, but they're not truly experiencing the freedom that they should be experiencing. And why is that? Because just, just because circumstances are changing externally doesn't mean that they've changed internally. And so we looked at this a few weeks ago, that, that, that freedom and what God created and brought for us needs to and ultimately starts in the Spirit. And so that's the one picture that we're going to look at and we're going to build some, some truths from there. Someone coming from a prison cell and then walking out in the free world. Then the second picture that we're going to build upon is, is uh, eating and burning calories. And uh, who of you enjoys eating here? Any eaters, lovers of food, good stuff. I'm in good company. Food is good, it's amazing. Um, I love my taste buds. They really, uh, they're a huge blessing to me. And uh, so uh, I really do enjoy eating. But apart from 
the, the, the enjoyment that we get to experience with our taste buds, with our mouths, the, the, even though the company that we get to experience in having a good meal, there's another purpose to food, and it's fueling our bodies. Some of you never knew that. Fueling your bodies, getting your body to go from point A to point B, right? What's one of the most rewarding things to do after workout? To get some good protein in, right? In whatever form that might be. It might be a beer, and uh, there's no, nothing wrong with having a beer. If you think there's something wrong with having a beer, then uh, that's another topic. Um, but that's one of the most rewarding things to do, to fuel your body, to put something in because you've burned so many calories. And it's the same if you look at people training for uh, marathons and things like that. They usually build up to the marathon by preparing and fueling their bodies to be able to go and do that marathon, right? I'm not called to run long distances. I've never been. Um, so if that is for you, then uh, I cheer you on from the sidelines. Um, but it's really important to understand that with regards to eating and consuming, there's many, there's many things that we need to take into account. And we're going to look at the spiritual components to that. Um, so we're going to look at those two analogies throughout this message this morning. Let's open up in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14. And as we're going through the Word, if you're not familiar with um, the invitation that we, we always give in uh, meetings like this is to really take note, to, to ask questions to yourself, to, to ponder on the Word, to meditate on the Word. If you're making notes and you're um, putting things down on your phone or on a piece of paper, you're really showing God and you, in a responsive way, showing the Holy Spirit that you're ready to receive something. Right? If I told you, listen guys, pay attention. I'm going to give you the keys to become a millionaire. Ten steps. What would you do? You'd get your pen out, your paper, your notebook, because you want to become a millionaire, right? So you're going to prepare for and put down. You don't want to miss any of those steps to becoming a millionaire. And so this morning and every time we get into the Word, there's something for you to receive, something for you to get, that's going to allow you to experience more freedom, to experience more intimacy with God, to experience more fruitfulness in your life. And it's amazing how even though that is the setting and that is the, 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 the picture that, that we portray on a weekly basis, it's amazing how many people aren't ready to put down the keys to walking in freedom, to walking in more fruitfulness. Obviously, none of you present, those people who didn't come this morning and those online, which we can't see what they're doing this morning. But it's really important to, to be a student and to become a student of the Word, not just a, a year of the Word. We'll look at that uh, scripture in a moment. So Colossians 1, 13 to 14. God rescued us from a dead end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the Son He loves so much. The Son who got us out of the pit we were in, got rid of the sins we were doomed to keep repeating. That's amazing. Rescued us from dead-end alleys and dark dungeons. He set us up in the kingdom of the Son. The Son who got us out of the pit we were in. So it's clear, and we've looked at this in the, in the start of the series, it's clear that Jesus did something and accomplished perfectly what He was set out to do, to come to set us free. 
So why don't we always experience the joy of the freedom he purchased for us? And that's the million dollar question. Because the, the word is obviously true. The word is not lying. The scripture in Colossians 1, 13 to 14, there's no other explanation of this other than Jesus came to set us free. Jesus accomplished what he set out to do. So why don't we always experience the joy of the freedom he purchased for us? And I want to look at another analogy in helping us understand and answer this question. An eagle was created to fly, right? Eagle was created to soar, and it's probably one of the, the, the birds of the sky that, that soars the highest of all uh, bird creatures. And now I know there might be other birds that soar higher, and it's, we're not going to get into the, the, the animal planet kind of uh, details right now. But the eagle was created to fly and it was created to soar and to experience something that some creatures don't get to experience, like ostriches. They don't get to experience flight. Now, if you would have taken an eagle egg out of its nest and you go and put it in a nest of a chicken with other chicken eggs and it hatched there, guess what that eagle will never do? It will never fly. Yet it was created to fly. That's its purpose. That's its design. Now that eagle, growing up with the chickens, might just experience a form of freedom, right? But that form of freedom that it's experiencing is due to the fact of it not knowing something. It doesn't know that it is different. It might struggle doing things that the chickens are doing because it's bigger. And so moving around the way that chickens do... It's going to be difficult. So there might be a form of frustration and strain, but it won't really know that it's missing out on something. Because its experiences and its expectations is set on what is going on around them. If that eagle is just moving around chickens, that is going to be its standard of life. That is going to be its expectation. It will never expect to go further than that. Because they're surrounded by a bunch of chickens. And so that is the very same thing that we are sitting with today. We've been set free. There's a truth and a reality for us to experience, but there's so much that we don't know. There's so much that we conform to because we are living in a world that is conforming. We're living in a world that is continually trying to shape us, shape the way that we do things, shape the way that we steward our finances, shape the way that we do our marriages. But this is the interesting thing. The world has caught up. The world has become clever. If you now um, go into any form of business or worldly seminars, there's a lot of Christianese, a lot of lingo and terminology that have taken from the Bible and they put it in their courses. And so it's become very subtle and very difficult to differentiate between what is God, what is life-giving, and what is just a form of that intended to grab our attention and hold us in the bondage that Satan wants us to be kept in. And that's why it's vitally important for each one of us. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your vocation. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. Every one of us has a responsibility to grow in understanding in the things of God. 
And all of you are doing great this morning because you are sitting here ready to receive the word, ready to partake of, ready to hear from God as to what are the things that He's purposed for us. Coming back to the analogy of the, the prison cell, the prison cells are open, but the question is, are we walking out of the prison? The prison cells are open, but have you chosen to walk out of the prison cell? Ephesians 2.10 from the King James and then the New Living Translation says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. The New Living says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Say the good things. There's good things that He's planned for you to do long time ago. Now those good things aren't necessarily what you think they are. I'm going to say something that's going to shock you and sometimes it's good to shock you because then it gets you to kind of get a shock and then you're like awake. God is not all that concerned with what type of work you're doing. God is not all that concerned with what type of work you are doing or where you are living. So many people get caught up in this, this question and this pursuit of, God, what type of work should I do? Where should I work? Should I live in South Africa? Should I, uh, should I move to Canada? Or, or where's, your, where's your will for me, God? Like, is it in this job or should I quit this job? Should I move here? Should I move there? And a whole lot of that just pacifies you. It gets you inactive with where you're currently at and what you're currently doing. This is really a word that we need to receive because, man, the, the devil is called the father of lies. He's full of deception. And if he can get you continually asking this question, continually mauling in your mind, should I be doing this job? Like, I don't know. Like, it's not all that fulfilling. Like, the people here are really, like, they're not that nice to me. Many of them are actually Muslims. And I just want to be around my Christian friends. Imagine that. We call the salt and light of the world. And so you a beacon of light in a dark environment. And you want to say, I don't want to be in that dark environment. I want to go to the area where there's only light. There's only light and everyone's saved. Everyone's born again. No one needs to hear about the gospel because all of them have responded to and received the gospel. I don't want to be around that riffraff. That's completely counter Jesus. Jesus was in settings and we see the parable of, of the... Um, the, the lost, lost sheep, lost coin, lost son, prodigal son, in Luke chapter 15. And it opens up with a statement, and all of the sinners, the tax collectors, the publicans, the riffraff, were drawing to Jesus to hear what he had to say. And Jesus wasn't like, oh, no, 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 you're going to contaminate me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move out of this setting. I want to be a, a, around my, my loving brothers and sisters who, who know the Bible. They can quote scripture back to front. God's desire for you is to be 
in and around the darkness. And the darkness cannot contaminate you. Because God's Spirit in you is sealed. Now the darkness can influence you to a degree, if you allow it to influence you. But it cannot change your identity. But we need to understand that in order for us to do these good works that has been prepared for us, we need to be seated and be reminded of our position in Christ and live in that reality. Ephesians 4 verse 1 from the message says this, In light of all of this, here's what I want you to do. Say do. It's not a cuss word, guys. Do. It's responding to something. Here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run. On the road, God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. Say, goes nowhere. nowhere. Ask yourself this question. Are you on a path going nowhere? You can be born again, a child of God, and be going nowhere. Very slowly or very fast. I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm not talking about us being in heaven one day and celebrating together and having a great party. But I'm talking about your impact that you're having on earth today. You determine. I don't determine for you. God doesn't determine for you. Each one of you gets to determine the type of impact you're having in this life. I'm not talking about reaching the millions. I'm talking about impacting the individual. Because God is concerned about the individual. If you look at the parable, 1 to 99, the lost sheep. 1 to 10, the lost coin. 1 to 2, the prodigal son. In essence, what Jesus was communicating there is every person is valuable to Him. And you've got people in your life whether it's one, whether it's two, whether it's more than that, that don't know Jesus Christ, they've not heard the gospel, they haven't encountered the unconditional love of the Father, and you get to share that with them. That is the good works that God has prepared for all of us. To be faithful, to share with the one. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert and noticing differences and quick at mending fences. This is God's desire and this is something we get to respond to. Colossians 1, 10 to 13 from the King James says, that you, might work, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in any good work. Say being fruitful. In every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us in the kingdom of His dear Son. Being fruitful in every good work, I don't know how Christianity has become this thing of receive Christ and then He's going to sort out all of your problems and life is just going to be amazing. We're going to sit around campfires and we're going to sing Kumbaya and it's going to be amazing. It's just going to feel good. 
We're not going to have to do anything. We're just going to sit back, kick up our feet, and money is going to fall down from heaven. And it's just going to be amazing. We, we're going to... It's funny and interesting, this picture is coming to my mind now. Oftentimes, what, what Christians and what the church has, has promoted Christianity to really be is to become babies. Because a baby is very self-centered. I've got a six-month-old. He doesn't care when we're sleeping. He's going to wake us up more than once a night. Wake us up with a lot of drama, shouting, crying, as if he's never had food in his life. <laughs> I love Michael to bits and he's sleeping better uh, this last week. But babies are super self-centered. They don't care about anyone else. And that's a lot of Christians today. Self-centered babies. Just wanting to get from God, not wanting to do anything. Wanting to be fed by, by a spoon continually. Not wanting to lift a hand. Not wanting to do any good works. I'm not talking about religion, guys. I'm not talking about working for God to please Him. I'm talking about co-laboring with your loving Father and actually start enjoying and experiencing freedom the way that He created for you to enjoy. The prison cells are open. The question is, are you walking out of them? How do you walk out of them? By partaking in what He's created you to do. Being light in darkness. Being salt to the earth. Bringing about flavor to your environment. That is God's desire. Interestingly enough, did you know that good deeds, now let's talk a little bit biology, good deeds releases oxytocin, oxytocin, oxytocin and endorphins in your brain. Now if you know what oxytocin and uh, uh, um, uh, endorphins are, it's feel-good hormones. Doing good deeds releases feel-good hormones in your body. Studies have shown that spending money on others and giving money away decreases stress levels. Giving, being a blessing to someone else, releases stress levels. Now there's a lot of studies backing up these things and, and showing the impact of doing good deeds. And again, what has the world done? Taken components of biology and just the natural copying and pasting it and experiencing some fruit in it, right? We see a lot of philanthropy in the world and it's actually helping people feel good. But it's momentarily and it's only impacting the here and now. It's not impacting life after. And so what I'm talking about now is not just the here and now. But it's amazing our studies have caught up with what God's Word has always communicated, always desired for us, always destined for us to walk in. Acts 20.35 says, I've left you an example of how you should serve and take care of those who are weak. For we must always cherish the words of our Lord Jesus who taught, giving brings a greater blessing than receiving. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now there's natural components to that. And that's one of the reasons we get to give and, and uh, 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 bring about our, uh, our finances and be a blessing into this household is to naturally take care of 
families within the families struggling, going through difficult times. But then the other component is obviously impacting people's eternities through the sharing of the gospel, through discipleship, through all of these various ministries that we have. The Aramic translates this term, it's more blessed to give than it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And it's translated and it's an idiom that actually portrays extravagant generosity. And this extravagant generosity is communicated like this. Blessed are those who try to give more than they've been given. Blessed are those who try to give more than what they've been given. Who's got that type of mindset here? Where you're going out of your way to try and give more to people than what you've been given. And some of you are thinking like, oh man, but my bank account is looking very bad. Guess what? That's one component. And maybe that's the reality. Maybe your bank account is looking bad. Maybe you don't have a bank account. But guess what? There's another component to this. What else have you been given? You've been given Jesus. You've been given the greatest gift of all time. What are you doing with that gift? Who have you been given that, who have you shared that gift with in your life? A good word? I think all of us can agree that each one of us can and desire to walk and experience more freedom. I'm giving you a key to this, guys. To walk out of the prison cell and to start enjoying freedom the way that God intended for you to enjoy it. And part of that comes by yielding and stepping into the good works that is prepared for you and for me. By start, start by being a blessing and seeing it that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We see the studies showing this over and over again. Where people are doing good deeds, being a blessing. It does good to your body. It does good to your soul. We can get, or we can give Jesus to people and by doing so, not only gain a brother or sister in Christ, but actually minister to our physical bodies as well. By releasing oxytocin and endorphins into our bodies. Which is a blessing and a gift to us. God's freedom isn't limited to the spiritual, but actually flows from the spiritual. So it's not like we're saying, hey guys, let's just focus on the spiritual realities. Let's, let's do away with all of this, like giving money away and providing for, for, for people's needs. No, providing for people's needs, all of that, that giving and that generosity stems from and flows from our nature, which is a spiritual generosity. Now, coming back to the analogy of eating and, and burning calories. A question I want to ask you, are you fit or unfit? Unfit? Are you fit or unfit? All of us understand fitness in a natural sense. Like working out versus not working out. So if we're looking at fitness, being fit or unfit, we can link it to being free or in bondage. And why do I say that? 3 John chapter 1, verse 4 says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in freedom. I've no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Because that is what freedom is. 
It's walking in truth. Because it's knowing the truth that you get to be set free. So God's desire for us to walk in truth, to walk in freedom, but guess what? It's a response. The prison cells are open. Have you chosen to walk out of them and to start to enjoy the freedom that God created for you? It's something we need to choose. Again, are you fit or unfit? I'm going to come back to this, this question. John chapter 7, 37 to 39. says, Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, All you thirsty ones, say thirsty. Come to me, come to me and drink. So what is the question? There's a desire, there's a need, and Jesus says, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that, say so that. So that means that there's a reason for this. There's an, a, a, an overflow of this. Come to me, believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you. Say burst out. Not trickling out. Bursting out. From within you. Flowing from your innermost being. Just like the scripture says. Jesus was prophesying about the Holy Spirit that believers were being prepared to receive. But the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out upon them. Because Jesus had not yet been unveiled in his full splendor. How does one get thirsty or hungry? Generally, everyone gets thirsty or hungry whether you do a lot of things, whether you do nothing. It's part. You are. Whether you do exercise, whether you don't do exercise, you are burning some calories. Right? That's the human body. Like it, it, It's working. Food goes in, food goes out in many different forms. How does one get thirsty or hungry? Ultimately, if you do a lot of exercise, you get more thirsty than someone else. Right? If you burn a lot of calories, you get more hungry than someone else. And it's really amazing, and we need to kind of see this analogy of being fit and unfit, and, and this, uh, this picture that I started off with, the picture of consuming food, enjoying food, and then burning calories. We need to see that if there's an imbalance in someone's natural diet, it's going to show. If you eat more food than your body can, can digest and can burn, it's going to start showing in your shape. Roundness and all of these different types of things. But it's going, to, it's going to lead to other problems as well. It's going to lead to heart problems. It's going to lead to mobility problems. We understand the natural components of eating food and then what goes out or how we stewarding or how we burning those calories. Now this isn't a lesson on health, guys. I'm using an analogy to bring about a spiritual truth. Now I know this analogy is sticking because you guys are laughing and you think that it's funny. And that's the, the purpose and intention of using pictures. Using pictures to create truth. Jesus did this throughout the, the gospel using uh, uh, um, uh, different parallels and metaphors and things like that. And it helps. It's a teaching aid. If there's an imbalance, then it's going to create health problems. And the truth of the matter is there's an imbalance in the body of Christ. Believers. 
with what they're eating and what is going out. People are consuming word. There's more teaching online today than there's ever been in the history of the church. You've got more access to teaching today than there's ever been in the history of the church. You've got more access to Bibles, translations, commentaries than there's ever been in the history of the church. But what are you doing with it? Are you just eating, 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 and there's no burning of that calories? How do you burn the calories of the Word? By doing good works. Are you doing good works is the question. Or are you just consuming and consuming and consuming and consuming? That is maybe why your life is in the state that it is. You are free. You've been set free. But you're not enjoying the freedom that God brought you. Because there's an imbalance in your life. Without outflow, we can't truly enjoy our freedom. God's inflow was intended for outflow, as we see in John chapter 7. Living water will burst out from within you. The Holy Spirit's purpose is to, yes, minister to you, but also to flow out of you. And that's where the gifts of the Spirit come in. That's where Acts 1 verse 8 it talks about you'll receive empowering when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that, what does so that means? There's a purpose for it. So that you will be my witnesses in all the earth. What is a witness? It's someone that's seen something and testifies of it. You've seen something. Are you testifying of it? I'm not asking all of you to quit your jobs. That's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not what the message of the Bible is. Because you need to be in your workplace. But you're there actually as a secret agent. 007. No, that's Mission Impossible. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I can't remember the 007 one. Um, it's a little bit more cl uh, classy. I am a classy guy, but uh, I don't know that one. Um, James chapter 2. A feeble sons of a Adam, do you need further evidence that faith divorced from good works is phony? The King James says, faith without works is dead. But the Passion Translation says here, O feeble sons of Adam, do you need further evidence? Evidence for what? That faith divorced from good works is phony. Who here has phony faith? Just consider this for a moment. Do I have phony faith? Or do I have authentic faith? Do I have real faith? What is phony faith? Phony faith is faith that is divorced from good works. So you can, you can kind of bluff yourself and fool yourself and say like, no, I've got, I've got real faith. I've got, I don't have phony faith. Cool, but is what you are saying and what the actual truth is in line with one another? 
Because the Bible defines for us what phony faith is. We don't get to define for ourselves what phony faith is. We don't get to define for ourselves what real authentic faith is. And the Bible defines real authentic faith as faith with action. Faith with works. Again, this is not talking about working to please God. This is not talking about working so that you can be saved. It's not talking about working so that you can be in His good books. It's not talking about working so that people should love you. It's none of that. It's an invitation to respond to who you've been created to be. A child of God, a child of light, shining light. Not a child of light hiding under a bushel. But being set up in your marketplace, shining forth the light and the glory of God. Whether it requires you ministering to someone prophetically, being encouraging to someone, just loving someone in your workplace that isn't all that loving. All of these things is invitations from God. And I, I believe that none of us would want to say that I've got phony faith. So the question is this, are you going to start responding to the love of God and becoming a living sacrifice? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It's in response to God's marvelous mercies, in response to His love, that our lives become true and authentic living sacrifices, doing good works. Are you fully grabbing hold of your freedom and making the most of it? Think about this. What if tomorrow then state a law that it's illegal to have any Bibles or to talk about Jesus in any sense, in any public setting? Just consider that for a moment. Because nowhere really in history where that became a law that people consider, hey, one day this is probably going to become a law. What if that happens? Are you then going to wake up and be like, oh man, now I need to share. Like, today we've got the freedom and the privilege of openly talking about Jesus. But are you doing it? Because there are countries and there are people being persecuted, thrown into prison, being beaten being executed today for talking about Jesus. And yet, it doesn't stop them. What is stopping you? What is stopping me? Again, what are you doing? Are you allowing the word and the truth you're receiving, are you allowing it to minister to you and then you step out and actually doing good works? As someone would eat food and have their body filled, I want to encourage you, invite you as you're receiving the word, which is God's food. Are you doing something with it? In closing, Matthew 7, 24 to 27 from the message. These words I spoke to you are not incidental additions to your life. However, improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the rivers flooded, and a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. 
it was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. What state is your life currently in? Is it solid? Is it secure? Are you enjoying freedom completely the way that God portrays and shares with us through His Word? Are you feeling like someone whose house of cards have come tumbling down? In this metaphor, Jesus is explaining to us what has happened. There's two guys. Both heard the same truth. Both heard the same truth. In this setting this morning, everyone is hearing the same message. But everyone is going to respond differently to this message. You can respond like the wise man who received the word and did something about it. Or you can be like the message translation says, the stupid guy, and hear the message and just walk out of you like, oh, cool. I don't get things perfectly, but as I'm encouraging you and challenging you, I'm encouraging and challenging myself. Because there's more freedom for me to experience myself. And the invitation is a free invite. You don't need to do anything. God's not going to love you more. God's not going to love you less. If you start cooperating and yielding to His Spirit and doing good works, He's not going to love you more or less. So don't worry. You, you're not going to not go to heaven if you just keep being a baby Christian. When I say baby Christian, I'm not talking about baby Holy Spirit. You've got a full mature Holy Spirit. You're just choking Him and telling Him to stay there in the corner and not do anything in your life. Man, free will is powerful. God, the creator of the universe, has limited himself by giving you free will. He desires for you to mature. He desires for you to grow up. But your free will determines whether you're going to grow up and mature in the things of God or whether you're just going to stay a baby until Jesus returns and then experience all of his glory in heaven. We can start experiencing His glory right here, right now. We can start experiencing freedom fully and completely right here and right now. But it's going to require you to walk out of the prison cell. It's going to require you to not just be a consumer of the Word, not just hear, but start doing. Let's stop being men and women of phony faith. Let's arise and allow the glory of God to shine through our lives. And the way that we love people, and the way that we share Jesus to people, and the way that we create opportunities to bring about spiritual conversations. Let's be purposeful and intentional and start experiencing what Jesus did for us through His death, His resurrection, and the pouring out of His Spirit. If you're ever in the Tigerberg area, we invite you to visit us at one of our gatherings. To find out more, Please contact us at info at gracelife.co or visit us at gracelife.co.